presented by DraftKings 2020 Week 3 Waiver Wire Pickup Power Rankings. NFL injuries, maybe a little bit of recap from Week 2. It all kind of gets blended together. Smash the like button if you're out there, and in the comment section, you tell me who your favorite Waiver Wire Pickup is at any position going into Week 3, because let me tell you, a lot of injuries in Week 2, so there's going to be ample people to go pick up if you need them. Maybe if your team escaped the triage unit, you're going to be doing fine, but uh, it's probably not going to be the case if you need to go make some pickups. Some probably pretty good values on DraftKings this week, too. You have to tune in to the rest of the week to figure out who those guys are going to be. The Pat Mayo Experience NFL Week 3 Listeners League on DraftKings will be available on Tuesday during the ranking show with Jake Seeley. So tune back into that. If you missed it, there are two new videos up on Mayo Media Network right now, which you should be subscribing to, by the way. DraftKings showdown for the Monday night football game, Saints at Raiders. You can find up there right now with Justin Freeman. And my guy Smitty is going to be doing a very quick week weekly recap right after the afternoon games that should be out around 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. If you're just looking to see who got hurt, early pickups, that kind of thing. I really dig Smitty's vibe. Very happy to have him as a part of the network. So please go show your support. Go subscribe to both Justin and Smitty's channels. Go smash the like buttons up on those. Get those views up on those as well. Not a great week for Pat Mayo at all. Good week for the Ander Curse, by the way. However, good week for subs to FTNDaily.com. Big time screenshots, like five-figure screenshots, a lot of four-figure screenshots, decent ROI. So if you haven't jumped aboard on FTNDaily.com yet, I suggest you do so right now. Use code Mayo. Get yourself a discount as well. Just using the optimizer just it will save you a bunch of time, A, and give you probably a better shot at taking down some of these DFS contests. But anyway, we're here to talk about the waiver wire. We're here to talk about injuries. If you hit the description of this video or podcast, the link to my week three waiver wire power rankings and the full injury list and running back snap shares is down there right now up on dknation.com. Suggest you go check that out. That will be updated again this afternoon then after monday night football then again on tuesday evening because it looks like we're gonna have a lot of news which we just don't know right now we don't know how the extent of some guys are injured we don't know who is signed with who how everything is shaking out so these rankings are going to change shockingly enough just because you're watching this on a monday morning doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the same as tuesday evening i know i shouldn't have to explain this but people are fucking idiots and this is the kind of questions that they ask me well you said on the monday morning that this is the way it is well i didn't know that devonta free head signed with somewhere bumping someone down a list that's why i have the article so i can update it anyway i don't need to explain this the people watching you're smart people the people who at me with like eight different digits behind their name probably fucking morons joining me on the show from ftndaily.com code mayo for a discount chris meany what's up What's up, man? Uh, coming in hot, hot start. I like it. Yeah, you got to tell the people to relax, man. Like Freeman is probably going to work out with a couple teams today. Uh, we'll just relax. It was a crazy week. Uh, I believe all the favorites won, maybe besides the Eagles. Uh, Garen and I were talking, you know, before we got on here, the fact that I think maybe they were favored before kickoff slightly. But man, what a week. We could be looking into week three, potentially without, you know, the top four picks and, and Saquon and CMC and Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams. Or, if you survive this week, maybe you lost, but if you survive this week with just, you know, getting by without major injuries, consider it a W. 
Gary and Thorne from DK Nation, also on the line as well to break this all down. Your Dolphins, you, you had Bills fans running scared with all those weird lightning delays that the uh, poor Paul behind the camera was freaking out. It's like, oh, no, no, they're on the road. This is just set up for them to lose. They didn't lose. The Dolphins looked okay. Yeah, they looked all right. Uh, Josh Allen looked better. Uh, yeah. I know this This is kind of the place where we all come. This is the congregation uh, where the Josh Allen support group meets. I know that, but he looks incredible. The guy was like fitting throws into tight windows 16, 17 yards down the field. Who knew that getting like Josh Allen, a legitimate number one wide receiver who could stretch the <laughs> field, uh, would, would just fix – all of Buffalo's offensive problems immediately. Obviously, playing the Jets and the Dolphins the first two weeks of the season might help a little bit. But, uh, yeah, carnage this week for Dolphins fans and fantasy owners everywhere. So, let me run down the running back injury report here. Saquon Barkley, probably done for the season with a blown-out ACL. Not great. Christian McCaffrey hurt his hamstring and or ankle he's having an mri today to see the extent of this injury that's going to be a really key one to focus in on obviously because it's christian mccaffrey but mike davis could step into that role and have a really large size chunk of that offense uh obviously he's not christian mccaffrey but even if he was 50 percent christian mccaffrey just by my data uh, that would make him a top 10 running back just based on volume cam Akers hurt his ribs he left the game for the rams james white obviously didn't play tragic story with james white his father was killed in a car crash uh last night Thoughts and prayers go out to James White on this one. So we'll see. You have to monitor his status uh, going forward. Uh, you know, things are bigger than fantasy, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. Raheem Mostert exited the game against the Jets after killing my under 64 and a half rushing yards on the first play of the game. Thanks, thanks, Sideshow Raheem. That was fun. Uh, we don't have any extent of his injury right now. Tevin Coleman also banged up his knee in that game, but it could be precautionary reasons because they were winning by so much that he didn't end up coming back onto the field. Mike Boone, the Boone King in Minnesota suffered a concussion not a big deal for fantasy wise Daryl Williams suffered an ankle injury against the Chargers that led to more Darwin Thompson even on fourth down that led to Darwin Thompson then you have Philip Lindsay Le'Veon Bell both did not play both still expected out multiple weeks Justin Jackson uh, missed the game with a quad again for the Chargers that allowed more Josh Kelly who's really solidifying his role we may never see Justin Jackson again. Duke Johnson didn't play for the Texans. Uh, Darienton Evans did not play for the Titans. Rashad Penny is still on IR, as is Bo Scarborough, Raquel Armstead, Damian Harris, and Divine Ozigbo. That leads me into the waiver wire pickup power rankings for right now, which this is going to be a fluid situation at running back. I have Deion Lewis at number one, Daryl Henderson at number two, Josh Kelly at number three, Wayne Gallman at number four, Jarek McKinnon, Mike Davis, Chase Edmonds, Garyon's buddy, Miles Gascan, carry on Johnson, and Frank Gore at number 10. Good times, Gary, and Frank Gore. Gotta love it. Uh, gotta love it. Looks spry at the uh, ripe old age of 53 on Sunday. And, you know, always creative in an Adam Gase offense. What What do you want to do other than let Chris Herndon block and uh, have Frank Gore run for two and a half yards per carry? No, it's insane. Reading off those injuries, I, I mean, I feel like there was almost a couple I forgot about yesterday as I was watching and just trying to keep tabs on everything that was happening. And, you know, it's, it's not just that we had big name injuries, like you mentioned, Pat, it's that we had these injuries and situations where, you know, a couple of the few remaining bell cow spots we have. And now it becomes a question of, you know, someone like Mike Davis, who did obviously prove in his time with Seattle and his past time in the NFL, that he can be someone who can run between the tackles and be a pass catching running back. 
but is he suddenly going to take 95% of the snaps every single game just because that's the system they run in Carolina? I don't know. I mean, Carolina in particular is a really weird scenario because, you know, they obviously had a lot of holes to fill uh, on their defense considering their performance in 2019. So Matt Rule comes in and every single one of his draft picks is a defensive player. They didn't even like take a running back in the sixth or seventh round who we have to worry about. Like, it's really hard to see how Mike Davis doesn't play like 60 to 65% of the snaps if McCaffrey can't go this week. So yeah, it's uh, it really is a weird situation. And obviously if you're someone who drafted Saquon Barkley, you're probably going to have to look at spending maybe even a hundred percent of your remaining fab this week. Like that's, that's kind of the point we've gotten to. Yeah. The, the problem meanie is Devonta Freeman. As we speak right now, Gary is going to be on the news desk for this to see if he ends up signing with anyone. He's currently working out with the giants. We'll see wherever else he goes. Cause there's so many injuries, but wing Gallman, not involved whatsoever you know, a healthy scratch from this game. So Dion Lewis is basically the last man standing on the field. He gets all the work that leads us to Dion Lewis. Um, can Dion Lewis hold up as a full-time back? I don't know. Is he going to see 88% of the snap share? Probably not. Like, is he worth spending all your fab on? If we, if we know Barkley is out for the year, that's, you know, that's good news to know. Uh, at least it's not good news for Saquon Barkley and Saquon Barkley owners, but just having that, oh, he's done for the year. He's not coming back. Let's move on to try to figure out who we pick up. But all of a sudden, if next week Wayne Gallman is activated and he's leading this backfield you may have blown your entire budget on Dion Lewis on a guy who's getting 50% of the snaps yeah it could turn out to be uh, an ugly situation for sure I would expect Dion Lewis to get a big bulk of the snaps though and it does depend obviously on Freeman like if Freeman signs on that team then you're right I mean you wasted a lot of your fat budget I've, I like for me uh, in one of my leagues I've already you know allocated a lot of my budget to Dion Lewis but um, we're going to get some reports today. Hopefully we'll probably get some reports tomorrow. I would say, you know, Freeman was scheduled to meet with the Eagles next week. He's met with about a dozen teams and, you know, if he gets the money that he wanted and good for him because he's held out this long and we're starting to see all these running backs go down, you know, Freeman was on that team. I would like him a lot. You know, the, the things, things don't change with the giants, right? I mean, yeah, the offensive line is not great. There's still a bad football team defensively. There's still going to be a lot of, you know, usage through the air. We're going to probably see with Dion. I look back to some of his years, obviously new England was good, but the first year with Tennessee was pretty solid, you know, just about 160 carries his yards per attempt. Weren't great. Uh, not like new England, like where he had five point, you know, one, but a lot of catches out of the backfield, 59 grabs one season with Tennessee, 67 targets. If Freeman isn't there, you know, you could do worse <laughs> with all these guys going down. I would, I would lock him in as an RB too. Like right now with no Freeman, thinking that there would be no Freeman, I'd be more aggressive with Lewis than I was with Hines just because I don't fully believe in Gallman. We have Jonathan Taylor, who I'm sure we'll get to. They don't really have a guy that can run between the tackles. Like, Lewis is really not that guy, even though he has shown before he can get 12 to 15 carries and catch a few balls into the backfield and be fine. I, I'm being aggressive with him today, but we'll, we'll get reports with Freeman, hopefully, you know, before the show's over. Maybe we'll hear a little bit more, but I would assume we'll know before, you know, waivers run in most leagues Wednesday night or Tuesday night, three in the morning, whatever it is in your league, we'll, we'll hear about Freeman and if he's going to sign there. Um, 
I think they, they can roll with Deion Lewis if they want to, but after all, it is the Giants. He really knows what they're thinking. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a high percent chance that Deion Lewis is just better than Devonta Freeman at this point anyway. However, sure. if Freeman, I mean, obviously he is available in your league. Uh, depending on the site where you play, like if you play on Yahoo right now, he's a free agent because he's not on a team. You'll you go get just, him. You can just go pick him up, like, as we speak right now and just drop someone you didn't play from your roster. I don't even, yeah. like, I mean, you might as well do it because people are going to go bid on him uh, on other sites like CBS or Yahoo, or, or not Yahoo, uh, ESPN or CBS, I think, or even, like, fan tracks and places like that. I think he is on waivers. But any place where he's a free agent, you might as well use the roster spot and pick him up just to see what happens. But, Gary, I don't have, like... Do you think that Devonta Freeman will ever be someone who starts on a fantasy roster this year? Yeah. I mean, I think the way this is going, uh, look, we've seen probably more soft tissue injuries in the first two weeks than I can remember in some period of time. And, you know, again, we don't really have much of a sample size with the NFL specifically when it comes to this kind of stuff, but even just across sports, uh, I think the NBA is, it's gone, you know, pretty well uh, considering you know, the ramp up period, but they in fact did have a couple preseason games prior to the start in the bubble. Uh, they had eight regular season games with the seating thing. And I think a lot of teams could kind of ease their players back and almost do a makeshift training camp, but baseball, we're seeing it a lot with baseball too, more injuries than I think we've ever seen before with this sort of truncated regular uh, spring training or summer camp, as they were calling it. I just think we're going to get a lot of these hamstring injuries. I feel like doing the injury reports, I've seen more hamstring injuries. I've written the word hamstring more than I can ever remember doing it. It doesn't even look like a real word anymore. So running back depth, as we always talk about, is probably going to be more important this season than it's ever been before because we're just going to have more of these injuries. Now, I don't know if it's going to be a situation where we see a bunch of season-ending injuries like we just saw with Saquon Barkley. So it's going to kind of be a week-to-week headache but that's maybe why you do have to invest a large chunk of that fab on someone like Deion Lewis. I mean, like Chris said, you know, he's not someone we've thought about a lot recently. Uh, you know, he was outclassed last season by Derrick Henry, but as recently as 2017, this was someone who DVOA had as their number one running back in terms of efficiency for the entire season with new England. Now we know the Patriots kind of have this magical effect on tertiary offensive pieces they go somewhere else they're never quite the same same with defensive pieces but he's at least shown the ability to be a quote unquote lead back when it comes to freeman it's it's just going to be that situation like i think if he lands in carolina amazing Mm -hmm. if he lands in new york I do think you're going to end up seeing a situation where it's he and Deion Lewis splitting snaps. So you, do you think that Wayne Gallman plays any effect? Like I have him fourth in the pickup power rankings right now, not knowing if Freeman's going to sign, but if it's just Lewis and it's just Gallman, could you do a thing like I, this has worked out really well. I mean, it doesn't obviously work in every circumstance, but if you don't want to, if you're worried about the situation with Lewis um, and I'm still waiting to get an update, like there's no word yet on if Barkley's actually out for the year. You might want to you know, confirm that before anything happens, before you start blowing your waiver budget. But at the same time, if he doesn't sign with the Giants and you know someone in your league is spending 80 of their 100 fab dollars on Dion Lewis, where you can just kind of sneak in and put a $2 bid on Wayne Gallman and maybe you get lucky. Oh, 100%. And I think the fact that Gallman wasn't active, as you mentioned, is going to work in the favor of someone who's being a little sneaky in that sense. Like, it, it might not work out at all, though I do think Gallman is going to have a role on this team if we find out that Barkley, you know, is, like you said, out for the season. 
I mean, the only reason he wasn't active is because why would you have a running back of that archetype active when Saquon Barkley is healthy? He's just not going to have a role with the team. Uh, you know, you have someone like Elijah Penny who has a little bit of versatility in the backfield. He can line up for some fullback snaps. Uh, and then Deion Lewis is often regarded as a more pass catching running back, even though Saquon can also do that, obviously. But yeah, I think Gallman's probably going to get a little bit of early down work, but I don't know. I mean, Lewis, it was such, it was such a dominant uh, snap share monopoly, like 57 to four, I think was the final count after Saquon Barkley left that game uh, between he and Penny. It, it does seem like he's going to be the RB one quote unquote, uh, but yeah, Gallman, I think probably will still see somewhere between like seven to 10 touches per game. All right. So meaning if McCaffrey is, let's say, let's say McCaffrey's out six weeks and he might not miss a game. So I'm just speculating here. Would you rather take the shot on Mike Davis, knowing that the only backup that the Panthers have at the moment is Trenton cannons to the left of them cannons to the right. Like he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does suck. Yeah, I think I would. You know, the the injury report again. Keep an eye on all this stuff. It doesn't seem like it's too serious for CMC, even though he is scheduled to to get an MRI. Anytime you're getting an MRI, I mean, it, it has to be at least somewhat serious. But you know, this Carolina offense, as bad as their defense is, they've at least shown me a little bit more offensively in the two games than the Giants have altogether. Like, I would actually be shocked if the Giants signed Freeman. Like, what's the point? Like, honestly, I'm not saying to throw in the towel, but let's be realistic here. You're 0-2. Um, you don't have a really, like, what are you going to waste your money on Devonta Freeman as, like, a one-year guy? You're going to sign him to a two-year deal or anything silly like that? I just, I just don't see, you know, the upside there for the Giants. But with Davis, to your point, Pat, when you said off the top of the show you're running projections – yeah, he may not be a guy that, you know, carries the ball 15 times successfully, but we talk so much about volume and opportunity on a bad football team. He just proved, I mean, what did he have? Eight targets, eight grabs. I mean, he caught a bunch of balls. This is a team that's going to be so bad defensively. They're going to be playing from behind a lot. And Gary alluded to some of his numbers earlier on. I, you know, I think Seattle was, you know, his best showing. 112 attempts, 4.6 yards per carry, like not bad, right? At that point, obviously a run-heavy team had a nice solid quarterback there, weren't never facing stack boxes, but I don't think that'll really be the case in Carolina either. So again, I don't think CMC is going to miss a lot of time, but you know, back to your question, if he does miss six weeks and we do hear that before waivers run, I would be pretty aggressive with him too, because yeah, this was said last week, we were back and forth, all three of us. Do you be aggressive? Do you wait out your money? wait it out and save some of your cash when things are going to happen. I mean, obviously things are going to happen this year with no preseason. Like we're just two weeks in and we're seeing big time players go down and a lot of soft tissue injuries so far, which Gary mentioned as well. So, and you know, Davis has a season where he caught 34 balls that same year. So 34 catches and 112 carries, like he can step in for six weeks and at least be an RB two for you. I think you need to be aggressive if you've lost guys like bell or, you know, pieces later on, like Philip Lindsay, just like Cam Akers, like just like little guys that you've just had as depth pieces. I mean, uh, you're probably aggressive grabbing Snell and Hines. And what did they do for you? I think you just need to have, you know, pieces on your bench, especially running back pieces. I think you need to be aggressive with Davis. Yeah, I'll update the waivers once we have more information on Tuesday's show with Jake Seeley when we break down the rankings for the week. Uh, but Gary, and that, that leaves like the Hendersons, the Kellys, Jericks. Chase Edmonds, you know, Miles Gaskin, all of the, I mean, only carry on is really available of the Detroit running backs. Although Swift seems to still be the one you would want to own at this point. Although Ty Johnson got into the mix for the lions yesterday too. So that's fun. Now there's four running backs on the, yeah. Game. like yeah. 
people like Daryl Henderson coming into the year. He hurt his hamstring, then threw everyone off the scent. Then Malcolm Brown goes off in week one. But Henderson looked the best yesterday, but Malcolm Brown looked the best in week one. Is this turning into like, and we don't know how long Akers is going to be out. I assume he's not going to play against the Bills this week with that rib issue. Like, do you just add Henderson to Adam? Like, maybe not play him, but Adam. 100%. Um, yeah. I mean, I think he's someone who is in an offense where, you know, Chris was kind of alluding to a Panthers versus Giants. Like, you know, the Rams look good on offense this season. It looks like their offensive line has kind of settled back into maybe not fully the 2018 status they had, but definitely better than 2019. Uh, and that was clearly such a linchpin in how Jared Goff was able to operate with just a clean pocket more often than not. So, yeah, it's it's a good offense. Is it ever going to be anything more than a timeshare? Probably not. I mean, you look at the way Malcolm Brown's been utilized so far this season. I believe he has been on the field for 83.3% of the Rams' third down snaps. So he's he's that guy, if nothing else. Like maybe Malcolm Brown isn't going to continue to lead the team in running back snaps as he's done in week one and week two. But at the very least, he's going to be on the field in pass-catching situations. So that's always going to kind of limit Daryl Henderson's upside. But even Henderson had a red zone target in yesterday's game. Goff just happened to overthrow him. He was wide open. So So would you go Josh Kelly or would you go Daryl Henderson in this spot? Because I have Henderson at two, Kelly at three. I I can swap those guys up. Like, I'm starting to think that even though Justin Jackson's not playing with this quad injury, that he just might not play when he is healthy to play. (laughs) He's not. Yeah, look. I don't, I, I wouldn't even say like Kelly looked amazing. Like it was one of those situations where you check out the box score after that game was over and it's like, Oh, he averaged like two and a half yards per carry, but clearly he's doing something that this coaching staff likes. Uh, and Anthony Lynn has, I mean, it's, it's two games, so I don't want to overreact too much, but as for as good as Austin Eckler looked in that game, when you went and looked at who got the actual carries inside the 10 yard line for the chargers, it was three carries for Kelly, a quarterback sneak for Herbert and zero carries for Austin Eckler. So that's got to be concerning, even though Eckler did have a much better game than he had in week one. So, yeah, I think I would probably put Henderson above Kelly like you have it, just because I still have some questions about Kelly's actual talent. Um, but it's tough, like because you look at Jarek McKinnon, um, it's probably always going to be a three-headed monster there. I mean, I I had sort of forced myself to forget the horror that is watching Jeff Wilson Jr. snake the goal line carries away from the San Francisco running back you happen to have, and then he trots out on the field in the fourth quarter, and it's like, oh, yeah, Jeff Wilson Jr. is still in this 49ers team, and Mike Shanahan, clear, excuse me, Kyle Shanahan clearly uh, is one of those coaches who believes in just a fresh running back. He believes in his system, not so much the running back itself, so that's always going to be a bit of a timeshare nightmare. And that's almost why, to go back to the original point and what Chris was talking about, it's why I'm okay with being aggressive with Mike Davis. Uh, Maybe even if we don't know the extent of Christian McCaffrey's injury. And actually, let's say there's a scenario where we find out later today that McCaffrey's fine, the MRI MRI came back clean, and he's going to play in week three. And and suddenly, Mike Davis is vaulting down the list uh, in terms of priority for everyone's waiver wire pickups. Try to still get him because I think right now we can honestly say, considering what that situation in Carolina could be, 
Mike Davis is probably what a top five handcuff at this point. Yeah. When we did the handcuff rankings going into the season, this is one of the big things that we kind of hammered down on. You had your Latavius Murray, you had your Alexander Madison. We thought for a while it was going to be Deandre Washington in Kansas city. Then he got cut and then it was Daryl Williams. But like Mike Davis was very, we thought it was going to be Reggie Bonifan, but then it wasn't. Then all of a sudden it was very clear. It was Mike Davis. Tony Pollard was another one. Like if these guys get the opportunity, will they see 80% of the snaps? And you know, if you can convince yourself that, the answer is yes they should have been drafted to begin with but obviously that wasn't the case so meanie what do you do with kelly what do you do because there's a huge thing with this too because gary just mentioned the role of austin eckler in this offense if you go look at the snap share from yesterday they both played over 50 percent of the snaps which means before people come at me because they do this because they're idiots <laughs> that Running backs can be on the field at the same time. Not all the snap shares add up to 100%. Sometimes, get this, teams don't even use running backs on the field. So oh. The snap shares won't even add up to 100%. This is why I think that people are idiots, because these are the questions that I get asked. Not 99% of you. I'm only talking about the one percenters, the, the truly elite of morons out there. Uh, I don't know. Sounds like you might be a witch, Pat. Potentially so. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm doing math magic, and that's how it ends up working. But... Anthony Lynn came out after the game and said that, like, if Tyrod's healthy, he's going to play. So yeah. here's here's the difference. So I was ready. I was throwing dirt on Eckler last week, and I still don't think it's going to be all that good. However, Herbert threw to running backs over 20% of his dropbacks on Sunday. Tyrod, week one, 3%. So it's probably somewhere in the middle, but... We even said last week, like, if Herbert plays, it's great for the running backs because he might actually throw them where Tyrod does not. But if Tyrod's back, what does this do mean? Like, they can't go back to Tyrod, can they? I don't I don't think. I thought Herbert, like, he, he definitely looked like a rookie. There was one play where he threw it across the field where he could have had the first down. It's like little rookie mistakes. But I think he was the first quarterback in, like, 70 years to run one in and throw one in his first half, like, ever. Like, and he had really no time to prepare. I would imagine that he went into that game pretty cold, not assuming that he was going to start. I'm shocked to hear that, you know, because – Again, just played the Chiefs. They played them tight. The defense was fine. It was solid. They took him to overtime. You know, he probably threw the ball more than they wanted him to throw the ball. But to go back to Taylor would be would be really puzzling, in my opinion. Like, they, they hardly squeaked out a week one win against the Bengals, an awful team. And they weren't really able to put up any offense against them. We saw Cleveland able to have their way, at least run the football against them. So I would be really shocked if the Chargers went back. I think it would be a mistake. You just – you drafted Herbert High – just turn the page, like just move, move on and, and have him under center because I just don't see where the upside is in, in Tyrod Taylor and playing conservative that way. I would just, I would just turn the page, you know, back to these, all these running backs. I like Kelly. I said it last week. I think that he can play as a three down back. If anything happened to Eckler, I, th I feel like he could fall into that role. Justin Jackson is toast. I don't think he's as good as Kelly. Uh, yeah. Kelly didn't run, you know, efficiently yesterday, but he still had the carries you know, still double digit carries. Um, and to your point, over 50% of the snaps. So he's the guy that I would rather have over Dale Henderson. You know, McVay probably wasn't lying. He started that game yesterday as Cam Akers with his starter. And Cam Akers may have got a lot of play if he didn't, you know, hurt his ribs early on in that game. And it was a tough Eagles defense. So I don't want to take anything like run defense. They are good at one thing, and that is stopping the run. But Henderson did look pretty solid yesterday. He is going to be the guy that catches balls out of the backfield. I know Brown had said after the game he was dealing with a finger thing. He expects to be fine. But maybe that's why Henderson outtouched him a little bit. But I do believe McVay 
that he's just going to maybe ride the hot hand here with three backs. That could be a complete mess. If Akers only misses a week or two, then you have three backs in the fold. Who is going to be the guy? At least we know now that Kelly is going to get some carries, even if he just, you know, gets stuffed at the line a couple of times, they're still going to give him a few touches. Yeah, if Tyrod's the quarterback there, Eckler's not going to catch five or six passes. But this is what I was looking for. We just didn't get Tyler, right? A game against KC where I thought they would have to throw the ball a little bit more. Let's see if Tyrod uses him. I look ahead at the schedule. Yeah, Carolina this week, Tampa and the Saints. There's going to be some games where they may have to throw the ball a little bit more and we'll see the usage from Eckler through the air. But, I mean, again, like just roll out Herbert, man. But I'm, I'm a Kelly, I'm a Kelly supporter. I think he should be owned. I have some shares already. Uh, I think if he's hanging around the waiver wire, that's the guy you got to add. And we'll get to Gaskins. You know, Garen talked about him last week. He's a guy I think we should add as well over a couple of these other players that we're talking about because volume is is his volume, and he's getting opportunity. I know, I know, Howard is getting the goal line touches, but Gaskins looks okay in that offense so i'm gonna move kelly to number two over henderson i'll bump him to three so i'll go lewis kelly henderson jarek and then mike davis i bumped down wayne gallman here's the thing with gaskin and i picked up gaskin last week in a few leagues but they were deeper leagues i think it really depends on your team construct of whether you want gaskin or not because if you're starting miles gaskin on your fantasy team your fantasy team sucks uh, I know because I have a bunch of injuries. I need to play him because he's someone who gets touches. But I think that if you have two healthy running backs or even three at this point and another like middling type of like, let's say you have DeAndre Swift on the bench. Uh, he is like your backup running back at this point that, you know, if you plugged him in or a Chris Thompson for that matter, like they're just guys that you can kind of throw in. You think they have a decent PPR floor. You can move on. I would rather spend my bench spot meanie on a Mike Davis or one of these high upside sure. handcuffs because I don't need to use him. I think that you only go get Gaskin if you're in a situation where you're so banged up, you need a running back to plug and play. And hopefully he can squeak out 12 PPR points. That's Gaskin. But I think if your yeah, team's that, like, okay, you don't pick them up. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. That's, that's an excellent point. Yeah, you're, you know, if you're looking for depth, you're looking at home run shots. That was we, that's what we said, I think, last week with Chase Edmonds. Like, if you're fine at the running back position, don't forget about him. And I know Kenyon Drake looked really good yesterday. He proved that he is still the RB1 there. He's going to get a bulk of the touches. But you just want to shoot for the moon with, you know, a bench piece. But again, to Gaskins, I mean, Gary can talk about it a little bit more, but 11 targets uh, and 10 grabs through two games. It's not a lot of, you know, pass catchers in that offense right now that, you know, are thriving. I know Gusecki had a nice solid game, but I think the schedule opens up a little bit for them moving forward too. So he's just somebody that I think, you know, it's like Robinson, right? I know I think he had a hundred yards and found the end zone, but you know, bad teams just, I think people overlook bad teams. Like you just can't overlook the fact that they're going to get volume and usage through the air. Yeah. I I mean, look, Gaskin, not probably someone like Pat said that you're excited about putting into a lineup, but we've now had two weeks where he has played more than 50% of the snaps. And, you know, I don't want to sugarcoat it too much. This is still a system where, like Chris alluded to, you're not only losing goal line carries to Jordan Howard, but you still do have Matt Breida sprinkling in for like 14, 15 snaps per game. And, you know, obviously there's a scenario where someone like Matt Breida, who I think looked a lot better in week two than he did in week one, um, he could obviously earn some of his role back, I think. Not that Gaskin looked bad either. The one thing I will say, though, about the red zone situation and the goal line carries, uh, important to note that when the Dolphins were spreading things out inside the five-yard line, uh, it was Gaskin on the field, not Jordan Howard. So he might not get the goal line carries all the time, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to get goal line snaps as a possible 
you know, target uh, in the red zone. So there's a little bit of value and upside there, but like Pat said, I think he's not someone who's sitting on your bench as your RB4. Like you, you, you go pick up Gaskin if you truly need someone to shove into a flex spot because of just all the disarray that happened this week. Yeah, it, it's hard to make rankings for people. Like it's when people like listen to a podcast or listen to advice, they somehow get it twisted that, oh, this is specifically for my team and my team only. There's a lot of extenuating circumstances, a team construct, the type of league that you play in, and your particular situation. I mean, you can't just tailor rankings to every person's single league as it pertains to pickups. So you have to do some of the work yourself to identify what you actually need on your team. Like, when we get confirmation that Barkley is going to be out for the year and you go spend $90 of your $100 or $100 of your $100 on Deion Lewis, uh, and then it turns out that he's splitting time with Wayne Gallman, that's not going to be great. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you might need to do that because you lost three of your running backs already, and that's the swing for the fence you actually need to go do, Mini. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree 100%. You know, and just back to the Rams a little bit, I do feel like even though yesterday was a little different, Henderson kind of broke out. I feel like, you know, game script will really be dependent on this Rams backfield. Yeah, it'll be a hot hand. They play Buffalo this week, so I would expect maybe Henderson and Brown to to maybe both be involved. But like games against the Giants week four, Washington week five, San Fran with all their injuries, especially on defense and then Chicago, and then Miami, like those just feel like Brown games. And they get into maybe a shootout against the Bucks or Seattle, I feel like Henderson. I just feel like that is really going to be a backfield that really just makes your head scratch. So like Lewis and Kelly and Davis, like these are guys that I would rather be aggressive on. And maybe, you know, Henderson, you can pull back your offer. There's, there's a chance you can get them a little bit cheaper. But yeah, I, I just, again, back to Lewis, I just think it's his backfield. Like, I just don't, I, I, weren't we down this road before with Gallman, like when Barkley got hurt? Yeah, and Gallman, like Gallman, and had- Gallman was like, okay, before he got hurt too. And then Barkley ended up coming back. I just think that if you're not in a position to spend all your fab money, or you blew it on Naheem Hines last week or Benny Snell last week, that you can catch Wayne Gallman at a super cheap price. And maybe you sure. get lucky. It's an inexpensive, yeah. like, lottery ticket basically but if it works out for you and he ends up playing like 65 70 percent of the snaps and getting the goal line work then like sure. you, you have a running back too uh, that's perfectly fine yeah, yeah and there's obviously you have to kind of look at the upside of some of these scenarios too and and like you said these always don't come through in fact more often than not they don't come through but we're we're at a point where we're dealing with desperation if you're looking this deep on the running back waiver wire where if you can get Gallman on the cheap, there's at least a scenario on the table where, like you said, Pat, he comes into week three and has 65 to 70% of the snaps and touches at the running back position for the Giants, where if you look at someone like Jarek McKinnon, like I don't think you could have a scenario play out any better for Jarek McKinnon than it did yesterday, where he's in a fantastic matchup and Raheem Mostert goes down early. And still, by the end of that game, look, McKinnon did some nice things. Uh, He scored another touchdown, but he still only played 15 snaps in that game. So I think when you're looking at someone like him, there's obviously a limitation to what his role can be in San Francisco, where, you know, we don't quite know how the Giants want to utilize a possible running back by committee because we haven't had to see it yet. So. Again, I'm not I'm not saying that Wayne Gallman is is going to be a guy, but there's still at least a sliver of a chance that he could be someone who we consider a bell cow down the road. Where for some of these guys, you're again, you're you're Jarek McKinnon's, you're Joshua Kelly's. Uh, although who knows with Kelly, but I, I think that the Chargers are probably going to always operate with a two back system. That's kind of how they've run with Anthony Lynn so far. But the scenario is there 
for someone like Wayne Gallman, however slim a chance it might be. It's a good opportunity for the rich to get richer in this circumstance in your league because all of the bad teams, presumably, uh, if you're 0-2, 1-1, you've lost, had some injury problems where everyone's going to go out to spend their fab on, like I said, on Deion Lewis, where if you are 2-0 and or you don't, you're don't, you 1-1 and don't have some injuries, you just put in like a $3 bid on Gallman. And if it works out in your favor, then you can just laugh at the rest of the losers in your league too. So let's move on to wide receiver. A lot of injuries here, too. Devontae Adams, hamstring. Questionable for week three. Will Fuller, shocker. Hamstring. Was in and out of the game. He's now questionable for week three. Sterling Shepard hurt his toe. I would expect him to miss some time with the Giants. No confirmation on that yet. He's questionable. Sammy Watkins suffered a concussion against the Chargers. So maybe you pick up Nicole Hardman or Demarcus Robinson or the chip fortune king byron pringle who knows but he's questionable <laughs> for week three Cortland sutton he had the shoulder injury came back and then he had cramping in his leg and had to leave against the steelers he's questionable for week three brashad perriman the 98 year old uh turns out he has 98 year old ankles uh he had to leave the game against the niners he's questionable for week three paris campbell tim's hot play of the day Anderkurst on the second play of the game was carted off the field with a knee injury no word yet on if he's out for the year or not but I would expect him to miss substantial time right now Chris Hogan hurt his ribs for the Jets it's not like you're picking up Chris Hogan Godwin didn't play with the concussion I would expect him back this week Jamison Cratter with the hamstring did not play he's really questionable against the Colts this week in week three AJ Brown has that bone bruise he didn't play I would expect him to be out again this week Michael Thomas is not expected to play on Monday night although there were rumors that he could end up going, but he might be back for next week against the Packers, which could presumably at this point, I mean, it's very early in the season. That could be a critical game in tiebreakers if it comes down to who gets the only single buy in the NFC right now. And it's weird based on the COVID rules. If Michael Thomas were to play against the Packers next week, he would actually have to be cleared by the Packers team doctor because they only have a limited medical staff on facility, which is just a really weird scenario. I saw Schefter tweet <laughs> that out this morning. Kenny Galladay, Missed week two, expected back for week three. Mimsy was out, and no one cares about the Jets. Debo Samuel, he's still on injured reserve for at least another week. It's a three-week injured reserve this year, so he's eligible to return in week four. So no, I, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. So those are all the injuries at receiver. Fun times. Uh, the pickups, I got Robbie Anderson, Russell Gage, Corey Davis, Alan Lizald, and Deshaun Jackson, MVS, Michael Pittman, Anthony Miller, Mike Williams, and Traquan Smith. Uh, I was kind of dubious about Robbie Anderson last week, Meanie, but it looks like he has passed Curtis Samuel. And he's if they're going to be down by like 14 in every game, you might as well have him on your team. <laughs> yeah, you might as well. Absolutely. He's finished uh, just taking a look again, a double check, because I did this research before last night's game. And yeah, he finished top 10 in terms of just targets and grabs. And yeah, we, what we said earlier, at least what I said was Carolina's defenses. They're just going to be really bad this year. So I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little surprised, you know, Robbie Anderson. I didn't know he would be this involved in the offense moving forward, even though that, again, what I'm saying is they're going to have to throw the football a little bit more than they wanted to, or that they probably planned with Teddy Bridgewater. But looking at the games, I mean, 18 targets, 15 grabs, hundred yards in both of those games down the end zone we know he's a deep threat he had a 79 yard catch in in week one so yeah i mean this team is going to continue to chuck i think he's ahead of cure to samuel for sure i mean this is an unbelievable list of injuries pat i mean i forgot them all already but there's just so many um injuries out there I, robbie anderson should be um yeah right up at the top i would i would believe i would assume like lazard maybe in competitive leagues 
MBS is out there. I think Robbie Anderson is probably the top target this week. Yeah, I mean, this again, when I talk about I can't gear this towards your team, and you're like, but those guys are all in my league. That's why the list goes down to like <laughs> 22 people. Uh, that, that's why there's so many. Like, I'm not saying you need to go pick up like Zach Pascal, but there's a chance if you play in like a 16 team league, he's available. Sure. He's the top guy on the list. But I do think, Gary, Michael Pittman, if. Paris Campbell is out for a while that uh, the second round rookie looks like he could be okay. Yeah. Um, look, I think right now that Colts team is one of the weirder uh, sort of two week experiments we've seen so far. Like that was a classic, classic Philip Rivers game. If we saw the Philip Rivers who loves to check down to his running backs in week one, we saw the Philip Rivers who loves to lead red zone scoring drives that end in field goals. <laughs> in game two, but at the same time, at least they were moving the football and maybe we now know enough where that really says more about this Vikings defense and the fact that they could be one of the worst in the NFL than it does about the efficiency and proficiency of this Colts offense. But I think Pittman's in a really nice spot and he's widely available. And, you know, you kind of look down the list. The thing that's really tough is, you know, crazy thought process here, but some NFL teams are actually pretty smart. And when you look at, you know, players like Traquan Smith or even, you know, your Alan Lazards and your MVSs of the world, what sort of happens when some of these marquee wide receivers go down? You know, obviously a, a receiver does have to step in and take the snaps for them, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get the targets. And we saw it yesterday with Green Bay, like Aaron Jones became their number one wide receiver target. If you're looking at tonight's Saints game and going, oh, Traquan Smith, he might get seven, eight targets. Nah, Alvin Kamara is getting 13 because that's how this works now. You just get the ball into the hands of your best playmakers. So it's tough. It's really tough to go out and find just a wide receiver who suddenly becomes a volume machine. And that's why I think someone like Robbie Anderson, as you guys were talking about, if he's out there on your wire is incredibly important because he is clearly that number two guy. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, never, never someone who is all that efficient when it comes to yards per target, but always very good yards per reception. So the ceiling mm -hmm. is super high. He's a wide receiver too, anyway. And look, they were going to be a team that projected to have a, a high pass rate anyway. And let's say they lose CMC for four weeks maybe they just decide they don't want to run the football anymore. That's a very real possibility. So we could be looking at a lot of, lot of passes for Teddy throws about. So meanie, I'm going to move Pittman up to number three in these rankings. Pittman yesterday against the Vikings played 67 snaps. Zach Pascal played 59. T.Y. Hilton, 42, and dropped a touchdown. Thanks, T.Y. That was, that was a terrific performance. But I think Robbie's the clear-cut number one. Gage just Atlanta has no bones about like we're just throwing for four quarters. It yeah. doesn't matter what the score is, we're just going to keep throwing. We might even give it to Russell Gage to try to throw himself. I think he's a very clear number two, but someone on that Atlanta team seems like they're going to be left out every single week. This week it was Julio somehow, although he dropped a touchdown from Russell Gage. But at the same time, just they throw so much through attrition with their high scoring offense that he's pretty good. I think Pittman has an opportunity here to really establish himself as like a back-end wide receiver three type flex play with the ability for more if T.Y. Hilton's actually cooked in this circumstance. But after that, like when Gary and saying like when a wide receiver goes down, it's not like you just plug this guy in and all of a sudden Alan Lazard is Devontae Adams. That's not really what I was getting at with these rankings of Lazard at five and MBS at seven is that 
this offense just looks really good. Uh, and they're being yeah. used every week anyway. That their back end wide receiver five, wide receiver six is that in a pinch, if you need to put them in because of injuries, you could. Yeah, I, I I agree. I would I would actually just try to get the Packers. I agree with both of your guys' points. I mean, all of a sudden now MBS or Lazard's gonna have to face top coverage if you know if Adams misses times. And we saw that last year how that worked out and not great, right? Rogers was was frustrated, he couldn't get anything going, but this is a Packers offense, albeit They've had two cakewalk matches, but they have over a thousand yards on offense in two games. And Aaron Rodgers looks, um, he looks good, man. He looks really, really good. Like he has that chip on his shoulder. Like just almost seems like they wasted two picks on offense uh, this past draft. And he's just proven that he doesn't need anybody on that offense to help him out. But I just feel like the big winner and Gary mentioned him as well is Jones. Last year, Jones was second on this team in targets. He was second on the team in catches, receiving yards. We saw yesterday, uh, I believe he was he led the way in targets and grabs as well when Adams went down. So uh, he is the big winner. He's obviously already owned. But those are the guys I would rather get because I look at the Colts and I just see a team that what I saw from them yesterday is how I thought that they would play football all year. Slow pace, run the ball, give Jonathan Taylor the rock 25 plus times and just rely on their defense. I know that they have some holes in their secondary, but they do have some players who can get after the quarterback. Look at the matchups coming up, the Jets. The Bears, the Browns, Cincy, Detroit. These are games that they should be able to control the clock a little bit and run the football. So I think there's a slightly more upside, more opportunity for like an MBS and a Lazard. But I agree, like Pittman should be on your radar. He's a big body wide receiver. He could be targeted inside the red zone. You know, we saw Mohali Cox get a lot of work yesterday. Is another big body. You know, Jack Doyle is hurt. T.Y. Hilton does look coat just cooked he looked pat we need to start playing john brown over him in legal leagues because hilton is absolutely crushing us he can't light up the secondary with the vikings like that's certainly concerning so i'd have Pittman just down slightly but with campbell gone and jack doyle out like i said i i think he certainly needs to be a top five i just lean towards maybe the better offense that maybe chucking a little bit more and and still some softer matches coming up for Green Bay. I think we need to make a trade in the legal leagues. We have too many running backs that we can't play we them do. all. And they're all still currently healthy. And uh, all the other teams don't have running backs. And we have no wide receivers. So that's a very logical thing. Good thing we drafted Cam in the last round. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Cam looks, again... <laughs> Cam looked pretty solid last. We do. We have a lot of backs, which is new to us. I think we have Gurley and Connor and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, um, maybe another back in there that we started. So, yeah, we just we just move on because A.J. Green is another guy that we have in our team who I know I don't want to take too much away from Thursday Night Football, but I also keep in the back of my mind that he didn't play at all last year and the short week from Sunday to Thursday. He looked pretty old in that game against the Browns. <laughs> a lot of targets, a lot of volume, but, man, he looked slow. We'll get to a stock up, stock down. Uh, we have to fade <laughs> 24 points from Darren Waller tonight. We'll actually get a win in that league. Thanks, Cam. Uh, so, Gary, and any other receivers we should really be talking about? Like, people really want to make Corey Davis a thing, but no A.J. Brown. Maybe, like, he has viability as a wide receiver three, but just at the same time, it's like, ugh. I still really question, and I guess we're, we'll reach a point where we can no longer do this, but, you know, watching Ryan Tannehill go out and throw like 25 passes and having four touchdowns, like I just, how often can he do this? I, I understand you have to stack the box against Eric Henry, but oh my God, like the efficiency numbers he's been able to put up across his last 12 starts, they're just not stable. They can't be. So yeah, Corey Davis, he deserves to be owned 100%. Um, but I still think you're in a situation where if he's anything more than a wide receiver three or a flex play for you, uh, 
you're you really have your aspirations set far too high uh going down to like the end end of the list i would say uh and i know you love these types of moves pat so if it's available to you because they haven't played yet you can still ah, pick this guy up and maybe stash him brian edwards brian edwards yeah. uh who yes. played a ton of snaps in week one now granted maybe he wouldn't have led the team in wide receiver snaps had Henry Ruggs not gotten hurt. So you kind of have to put the asterisk there, but it's a guy who ran 20 routes um, really seems like he's the guy who's going to fill in in Tyrell Williams role. And while I'm not overly ecstatic about getting like tertiary options in a Derek Carr led offense, this is someone who's only averaged like 1.3 passing touchdowns per game the last three and a half seasons. So, you know, when you're the wide receiver not wide receiver, but when you're third banana to Ruggs and to Darren Waller, and maybe even fourth banana to the suddenly involved in the passing game, Josh Jacobs. Or Nelson Aguilar. Not, or Nelson Aguilar. I think he only played like 11 snaps. I'm not super worried about Aguilar, but <laughs> I, you know, it's not the best situation in the world, but I think that he's someone who at least has, as we talked about with the running backs, upside. You always look for upside. Maybe he doesn't hit but there's a path to a large role here for Brian Edwards. So yeah, I just want to jump in and say that he, I think that's a great call by you. I, I think he should be a little bit higher up on your list, Pat, because what I saw from week one is this Raiders defense is, is going to struggle. They allowed what 30 points to Carolina. We'll see how the saints run their offense, maybe a little bit more Latavius without Michael Thomas. But I think Edwards is a, is in a good situation to maybe succeed and, and maybe the Raiders are going to throw a little bit more than they want to as well. I know Gruden says they want to run three tight ends and give it to Jacobs and, you know, he's going to catch 70 balls this year. He wants his back to have MVP. Like he talks up Jacobs all the time, but this team may be forced to throw with no Tyrell Williams on that team. And rugs, you know, have already dealt with a couple injuries, no off season. He hurt his back moving. Like he may just be a fragile wide receiver. He's not a big body. I think he's going to play tonight. He, he practiced on Saturday. He missed most of practices all week, but I think Edwards is a nice big body and people not car. And I agree with you, Gary. I mean, second completion percentage last year was top five, you know, the year before we look at the offense when it was Cooper and Crabtree, you know, he was a decent quarterback at that time of his career. So I think that Edwards could be a nice little big body red zone target for him because Aguilar is, is nothing. Well, I, I, it's funny on Friday show, I mistakenly just got confused with names. Sometimes when I'm just rattling stuff off by myself, I said Tyrell Williams. I think I just get really hyped to say the gazelle instead of saying yeah. Nelson Aguilar and people fucking jump down my throat for it. Dalton <laughs> not is on IR. I do know he's on IR. I said the wrong name. I'm sorry, people. It happens from time to time. Jeez, people need to calm down. People are like just... really triggered. It, it, I thought people were just happy to have football back. No, 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 no. They, they're happy to have like being mad back in their lives. So <laughs> Uh, the only ones I want to throw in here, I moved Brian Edwards up above Chase Claypool just for you, Meanie. I mean, Claypool's nice. just a deep play guy, and like most weeks, he's probably going to have like one point. Uh, but in deeper league, sure. So Zach Pascal, Brian Edwards, and the other one is KJ Hamler. If Sutton misses time, Driscoll kept looking his way. Locke is obviously out two to six weeks right now, uh, and he was coming off injury, saw seven targets against the Steelers, performed okay. I don't mind him as a deeper option as opposed to Doug Judy, uh, who actually got hurt in that game and then ended up coming back in. Looked pretty good when Judy came back in as well. But the only other one I'll throw out is Keelan Cole. Looks like he's a bigger part of this Jags offense than I would have anticipated. You don't want to start Keelan Cole, although Someone started him against me in my home league yesterday. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? And then thanks. Uh, never, fun I mean, when, I, never fun when that happens. I guess there's a scenario if you got really wiped out this week in terms of wide receiver injuries. And I know you actually have this guy atop your quarterback streaming list, but they get the Dolphins probably without Byron Jones on Thursday night. So if you're super desperate, 
Like you could do worse than Keelan Cole in a flex spot on in week three. Yeah, let's go to quarterbacks then. Quarterback injuries from week three. Tyrod hurt his chest. Oh, the, Gary, did you take my quotation marks out of the article? I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a fake injury. <laughs> you think you really think he went to the hospital with a fake injury? Yeah, I think it is a complete setup. Okay. I'll put him back in. I'll put him back in as soon as the show's over. Nah, it's fine. He didn't play. I have him as likely benched for week three, but Anthony Lynn saying he's going to play in week three, which seems absolutely fucking bananas to me, but here we are. There's no well, way it happens. J- j- There's just no I don't believe way it. it happens. It's well, lies. Lies. A- Anthony Lynn is a terrible coach. Octavia Spencer, as Jeff Feinberg calls him. Like, come on, man. Like, what are you doing here? Give your head a shake. Drew Locke, out of the game, is going to miss two to six weeks. My guy, Driscoli, is going to start in his place. If you play in a super deep league, like Driscoll runs, he's, like, not terrible. Well, he is terrible. But fantasy-wise, he's not terrible. Like how Tim Tebow used to be a really good, like, fantasy quarterback. Driscoll's, like, he can pick up, like, 45 rushing yards per game kind of thing. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo hurt his ankle. Could be a high ankle sprain. No idea what his status is. They're playing the Giants this week. They might roll with Cusboy. Nick Mullins verified on Twitter before Tim Nick Mullins, and Tim holds it <laughs> against him, and he came in to beat the Jets. So oh, I forgot that's why he hated him. I remember they were rivals. I couldn't remember why it was, though. Yes, that's, that that's he was perfect. mad that a starting quarterback in the NFL was verified on Twitter, and he wasn't. But streaming After off, Monday Night Football, too. Yeah, streaming options for the week. I mean, I've been rolling Minshew out every week anyway. I think he's a top 10 quarterback anyway, but he's still not owned. So he's number one Thursday night against the Dolphins at home. I got Mitch Trubisky at Atlanta. Like that game, just play teams against Atlanta. Atlanta wants to score a bunch of points and they'll allow you to score a bunch of points too. That's not an issue. So Trubisky, number two, Phil Riv against the Jets because the Jets are fucking terrible. Uh, And it's hard. It's harder to run on them unless you're Raheem Mostert, I guess. Ryan Tannehill at Minnesota, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick also Thursday night against Jacksonville. Meanie? Yeah, I like that call. I don't understand the Minshew, um, the low ownership. I'm sure there's somebody out there who drafted him in the first round. I'm just hoping for all the Bud Light beer that they can get. But, I mean, Minshew is fine. He's He's been efficient. He's taking care of the football. I know he had some fumbles last year, but, I mean, he even runs. That That's what we like, right? He's got 19 yards in each of his first two games. He was – Fifth in rushing yards per game last year among quarterbacks. He was top 10 in red zone rushing attempts. Sometimes he'll call his own number in there. And this is just a bad team. And maybe their offense isn't that awful. I was surprised. I mean, I'm not ready to take the L on Cole, but I was shocked that he was more involved than DJ Chark again this week. So I think every single week they're going to allow 30-plus points and they're just going to have to throw. Um, You know, I think Garoppolo, we haven't heard anything, but it does sound like if it's a high ankle sprain, he's going to be out for a couple weeks. I think, you know, I'd like to go back to Driscoll in two quarterback leagues because I think all three of us talked about him last year at some point, right? Wasn't it with Detroit when Stafford went down? He ran a little bit and and he wasn't afraid to just, you know, really throw at guys that he likes. And I noticed that too, like Hamler could be something. I don't know about Sutton, uh, how, you know, obviously he was already banged up before that game. He steps back a little bit. So I think Driscoll is certainly interesting. And, you know, I, I own Locke in a, in a super flex league as my third quarterback. So I'm going to have to, you know, try to do something there. And, you know, Atlanta, yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, this team, what, they scored 39 points and they didn't turn the ball over and they lost. It's the first time that's ever happened in NFL history. Like, they are just absolutely pathetic on defense. So I think, you know, Trubisky, you know, he's going to run a little bit. He's got a solid weapon in and Allen Robinson throw the ball to the backfield, maybe to Tariq Cohen, who was quiet. And Anthony Miller, who didn't do anything, but I would expect these guys to show up against that Falcons defense. What a mess there. Yeah, where would you go with your streaming options, Gary? 
Yeah, I think Minshew is clearly number one. Uh, you know, you kind of look at who has the premier matchups this week, even if you start looking at it from like a DFS perspective. Uh, and obviously Minshew and Fitzpatrick wouldn't factor in there, but this is going to be a week you hear a lot about, oh, you play Mitch Trubisky. Oh, you have to play Phillip Rivers against the Jets. Oh, you have to play Ryan Tannehill against the Vikings. It's We, we seem to get one of these every week where all of the cake matchups line up with, you know, your quarterbacks 22 to 32. Uh, so it's, it's no shortage of options on the waiver wire. If you're someone who chose, uh, to be in a situation where you stream quarterbacks every single week. Um, I can't really complain about the sequencing you have, uh, again, as, as soon as Byron Jones went down, uh, the dolphins could not stop anyone on the bills. And the thing you have to remember about the dolphins sort of similar to how like the Niners operate, um, you know, Xavier Howard isn't shadowing anyone. He's he's got his side of the field. So if if you're the Jaguars and you want to line up Cole or you know DJ Chark away from Xavier Howard and take on you know a pair of rookie cornerbacks and a rookie safety, feel free to do so because that's exactly what they're going to let you do. So I think the Jaguars are definitely in store for a pretty good game. And like Chris said, they're probably just a team that their script this season is going to kind of be like Atlanta light. They're just going to try to score as many points as they can. They're going to run a pretty up-tempo offense and they're not going to play any defense. So we've got the Jaguars, the Falcons and the Vikings sort of in that bucket. If only the Vikings could actually score points, that would be a different situation. But yeah. 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 That's why I like Tannehill this week. I mean, we now might, I don't know when we'll see the regression, uh, Gary. It's unbelievable how efficient he is again without Brown, but you know, Minnesota this week, that Vikings defense, again, we'll just talk about it. Like they're a secondary that I think we'll be able to pick on all year long. They're young, they're inexperienced. And I, I just think that there's going to be an opportunity. Maybe week four, you, you know, you start to see the schedule turn for Tennessee. They play Pittsburgh and Buffalo. Those are tougher matchups and it gets soft again. Houston, Cincy, Chicago, Indy, like Tannehill is just, I don't know what it is, but he is like, I would roster him and start him over like like Baker Mayfield, who just seems to be more popular, has a higher ownership percentage in Yahoo, ESPN, CBS leagues. Like Tannehill just should be started. It, you know, at this point, I don't want to say it is what it is, but there's a large enough sample size where he does enough on the ground. They use the play action and he does enough for you to like 20 fantasy points, 27 fantasy points. Minnesota, he's probably going to hit that 20 point mark. Like I would roll him out, out over Phillip Rivers this week. Uh, one thing I wanted to hit on that Gary and had brought up before the trick, and we didn't explain what the trick was. There are some formats out there, Yahoo being the primary one, primary, primary one for it, that if you didn't play a player who's currently on your bench and either they're hurt or you don't need them anymore, uh, you can drop them from your team and go pick someone up. And most players who are still yet to play for the week are not on waivers. They are on free agency. So we mentioned it with Devonta Freeman earlier that if you can go pick him up right now, you can do that uh, and have it not be any cost. Don't even let him go to waivers. You can pick him up, see what happens. If he doesn't sign anywhere, just drop him. Not that big of a deal. Brian Edwards is someone in the Monday night game. You can also do that with, but primarily this is used to take handcuffs for running backs. And if you look behind Josh Jacobs, you see Jalen Crockett, who is definitely not going to be the primary bell cow back if Josh Jacobs goes down. But Devontae Booker is there right now that if you did have an open spot on your team and you just wanted to make that move, you don't need to keep him beyond tomorrow if Josh Jacobs doesn't get hurt, but it's a way to get ahead of different uh, 
ahead of different fantasy owners that you don't need to spend a waiver priority or any of your budget. You can just pick up Booker for free right now. Jacobs doesn't get hurt. You throw him back out and you can make your waivers as normal. It's just a free trick that you can pick up. You should check your league settings to see if that's something that you can do. Tight ends. Injuries. There were a few lurking around. Dawson Knox for the Bills, left with a concussion. Uh, he's questionable for week three. Jack Doyle did not play with an ankle ankle and knee injury. No word on his week three availability. Max Williams, who Gary and Otto corrected to spell incorrectly. It's two X's, pal. That's actually true. Max, <laughs> I missed it. Max XX. I wanted to put in three. I know it's Max XX. I actually didn't change that. but No, so that's my bad, Max. man. Uh, he didn't play in week three, so Tarzan Dan Arnold actually did nothing. George Kittle didn't play in week two. They might need him back just to block in week three against the Giants. We'll see what his status is. David Njoku on IR. Trey Burton on IR for the Colts. That leads me to the pickup rankings, which have Jonu Goddard, Gasecki, Dalton Schultz, Logan Thomas, Mo Alicox, Chris Herndon, and Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed only played 26% of the snaps against the Jets. Somehow he caught two touchdowns. Wouldn't count on that every single week. And Herndon, this fucking guy. Adam Gase had him blocking most of the game. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I mean, that's that's really the beautiful part about someone like Gasecki is the dude can't block. So he's basically... <laughs> You know, someone pointed this out before the game, and I, I think that was, I, I don't want to say don't get too excited about Mike Kosecki's performance in week two, um, because it was really a perfect storm. It was like, Dolphins have a bunch of wide receivers who are banged up. Bills don't have a single starting linebacker, so the middle of the field is where they're going to want to go. But Kosecki is really just a big-bodied slot receiver. Like, he never does tight end things aside from catch passes and be a red zone target. Like, that's his skill set. And the Dolphins without Albert Wilson don't really have a slot wide receiver. You know, for all intents and purposes, it is Mike Gusecki. So uh, you're not going to get a Chris Herndon situation with someone like him, which I, again, Adam Gase and his just complete inability to read the room. Uh, it's not something that shocks me anymore, but man, is he a terrible head coach. Meany, I think that if you went the top five on this list, and if Doyle's out for an extended period of time, I'm moving up my guy, Mo Alicox. That's a nice situation. Did you know he played basketball? I heard that. <laughs> of course, yes. <laughs> I, I knew that, and I saw the rumblings last night on Twitter, and I was like, like at this point, can't we just assume that every tight end played basketball at one point, and, and they can dunk, and they're big bodies, and they can catch in the red zone? Yeah, I mean, we know the narrative now, I think, with – Frank Reich and using all the tight ends. We've said it so many times before. All the tight ends that he used in Philadelphia, all the tight ends that he's used so far in Indy and, and Philip Rivers, utilizing all his tight ends from Antonio Gates to Hunter Henry and to Doyle and Burton early on. And then here we are with Mo Alley. I mean, he looked decent. I expect him to get a lot of usage. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if week in and week out, if there's no Doyle and he has more targets, more catches in T.Y. Hilton. It's just, you know, what we've come to see now with Phillip Rivers and Frank Wright in this offense. I don't know, guys. This is the year of the tight end, right? John Smith, tight end one. Fant, uh, Gusecki, Goddard, Reed, Hawkinson. I mean, Reed is a bit of a surprise if he's the top 10 tight end. But all these guys that we thought would maybe break out that you could take later are up there. Dalton Schultz is, is interesting to me. I mean, he led all tight ends in targets and grabs. Heck, I think he led everybody in catches uh, yesterday, which is crazy to think about. I don't think that that is going to continue. 10 targets, nine grabs, 88 yards. But at the same time, with so many weapons on Dallas, like 
there may just be Schultz may just be open a, a lot of the time. Like, there's just so many weapons to take care of and focus on the Cowboys. And their defense is also going to suck this year with no Van Der Esch on the squad right now. And Sean Lee is yet again hurt that Schultz could just find himself with a lot of opportunity. Those are just the, that's one low end tight end I want to bring up for deeper leagues. And then CJ Uzuma is somebody that I actually like this year and I had some shares in deeper formats in two tight end leagues. And I saw Burrow was just really targeting him a lot. And what I saw when he went down was just through sample. Sample is just getting a lot of work. So I just feel like you can plug in sample and Uzuma's spot and he's just going to get a lot of work because again, a bad defense Burrow has, has shown that he will just pepper somebody early and often just in soft spots middle. I don't think he's going to throw the ball 60 plus times like he did on Thursday every single week, but he probably will check it 40 times. And it's going to be a lot of just dink and dunks and check down garbage because this is a Bengals team that they're going to be playing from behind. So those are just two deeper, deeper, deeper. Like you don't need to have Gronk anymore. Are we done with Gronk? Like Gronk is great, but how many times are you just going to have a zero on your squad with Gronk? Like I'm seeing his ownership, like 90%. Like it's time to move on from Gronk and grab some of these other tight ends that you wouldn't expect to get six or seven targets that are just in a good spot for volume and opportunity. I had forgotten to mention him when I did the injury report. Yeah, CJ Secret of the Uzuma. I mean, Thursday's a long time ago, but he blew it as Achilles he's done for the year. Streaming Ds, at least my early look, I tend to hammer down on these later in the week uh, once I get the updated adjusted sack rates, offensive line numbers, those just aren't released as of yet. But early, thinking about it, I have Atlanta at home against Chicago. Everyone knows my strategy on defenses, which is like the only thing I can ever read really figure out yesterday I was 50 50 the Eagles defense not good the Colts defense one of the best of the day but you're in a situation where Atlanta's a big favorite at home Mitch Trubisky sucks and what you want from Trubisky is him throwing as much as possible and like Atlanta's defense is actually going to be pretty good from a fantasy perspective they might give up 30 points a game but opposing quarterbacks are gonna have to throw like 40 to 50 times against them and that's exactly what you want to find fantasy points so i like them as my favorite streaming d washington at cleveland and baker i like too they're still getting to the quarterback they got to murray three times yesterday tampa bay at denver uh with driscoli starting at quarterback and being favorites indy at home against the jets arizona at home against detroit and then philadelphia at home against cincinnati would be the way i want to go i want to play before we let you guys out of here just very quick reactions to some of these guys uh stock up stock down kind of thing uh, i want to start with naheem hines who i said would be better than austin eckler last week and uh probably wrong on that one however it's not a great situation for him this week with the colts as huge favorite against the jets i think you're going to see a lot of people drop him this week gary and i still think that he could be a top 20 back this year anytime the colts are in a competitive game it's not going to be 75 percent jonathan taylor it's just not yeah, I mean, I think the maybe the more worrisome aspect of that was just that Jordan Wilkins ended up outsnapping Naeem Hines. Yeah, but, but that, I, I, I'm, I'm not concerned about that solely because they were winning by so much that he didn't come yeah. in to replace Naheem Hines. He came in to replace Jonathan Taylor at that point. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and look, they there was, I don't want to say it was a lot of draft capital as a second round pick, but like I, I think one of the allure of Jonathan Taylor in terms of a college player was he could he could do a lot of things. I know there was a couple question marks about his pass catching ability, but I think I don't want to say he shorted up after two games, but I think he's, he's able, he's able to do that. He could be a three down back, but I'm with you. I was, I was going to bring it up at some point and I'm glad you did. Like if someone out there is willing to already drop Naeem Hines, which maybe this doesn't happen depending on how much fab they actually spent on him. Uh, the theory of sunk cost doesn't often, uh, 
doesn't often show its face in many fantasy leagues. Some people think like, well, I bought this guy for 70% of my fab. I'm just going to keep him regardless of whatever happens. But if someone out there does drop him, uh, nine snaps is probably his low end uh, target share or, or excuse me, volume share. And yeah, he's still going to be a pass catching running back. He's still going to be someone who works his way and maybe isn't 50, 50, but could be like on a 40, 60 end uh, of a Colts running back timeshare in the right game script. So Again, I, I don't think necessarily uh, I was as high on him as you were last week. I, I definitely think he was the number one running back to go and pick up, but uh, I, I still like Austin Eckler a little bit more. Um, but he's definitely someone who deserves to be owned. So if he's dropped this week, yeah, 100% go run to the waiver. You buy low. You buy yeah. low. It's, yeah. it's, that, it's that simple week to week. You honestly buy low. You know who the most traded player was in, in CBS leagues last year? Odell Beckham Jr. Or last week. Because he had a bad week against the Ravens. Like, this is what happens in fantasy all the time. Eckler was a buy low last week. Hines is a buy low this week. He's going to be involved when the games get a little bit more competitive. I- yeah, And you know what? He may have a bad game this week, Pat, against the Jets. And maybe he will be dropped. Like, go check in on the on the Heinz owner. Yeah, just as, as 10-point favorites at home, that just seems like a game where they're going to be running a lot. It doesn't seem like they're going to be running with Naheem Hines. When they get in, the game wasn't competitive on Sunday against Minnesota. So you're going to fall into that trap. That's not good, obviously. But I don't think the Colts are great by any means. Eventually, they're going to face a team that can take, aven- take advantage of their depleted secondary at this point. Yeah. And Nomali Cooker is not good for that defense. But in competitive games, you are going to see Hines on the field. And like I said, I very you can get him for dirt cheap or people might drop him this week. Go pick him up. Uh, I mean, I would I would pick up Deion Lewis first uh, if Barkley's yeah. going to be out for the year. But Naheem Hines would probably just be second on my pickup list unless McCaffrey's out for the year, which then all of a sudden Davis would be. But it sounds like McCaffrey maximum is probably four weeks he might not even miss next week so until we get actual information on that you know you don't want to go too crazy next one up meaning you know who people told me sucks and they don't want anymore this happens every year julio jones (laughs) yeah again just people just overreact julio um yeah, I don't, I don't, I just, I, I'm speechless. If I could have Julio on my team, I would love it. I, I'll go check in on all the Julio owners this week as well. Again, what you said earlier is that we just could see all three of them in Ridley and Gage. I mean, all three of them and in Hurst. week one were top five in targets. They're going to get targets. Julio is always going to deal with something all week. He was limited in practice. It's just always going to happen. You talked about him dropping the touchdown pass. If he doesn't drop that touchdown pass, what are people complaining about? And with Adams and Thomas out, I mean, Julio is the best, the best with Hopkins there. Like, those are the two guys. I mean, I'll have Julio, like, give him to me. As a guy who has Michael Thomas in a couple spots, I'd gladly have Julio right now. I'll yeah. check in on a Julio owners. It's funny. Like, every single year, like, it's because you draft Julio so highly. Although he was slipping a bit this year that people just, yes. like, people have bad games. Not everyone scores 30 fantasy points every single yeah. week. But where it's so early in the year, like, people lose their fucking minds. So here's actually someone you can go buy low legit on. Two guys, actually, Gary. And Galladay, because he hasn't played yet. And Allen yeah. Robinson, who I'm worried about that offense, but at the same time, he's their guy. Like, let's be real here. He's not going to have a bad game every week. No, I'm with you. Uh, and I think a lot of people probably got burned this week trying to do the whole squeaky wheel gets the grease thing with him, you know, mm-hmm. deleting all his uh, bears associated things on Instagram or whatever it is that kids are doing to show they're mad nowadays. But Look, I, he's oh, still spe- spe- obviously... Speaking of which, I do have breaking news on Saquon Barkley. He just okay. deleted all of his Giants-related posts on Instagram. That's Incredible. actually That's actually true. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why? I, I don't I, fucking know. 
I guess you get sick. Like I said with Alan Robinson, maybe like there were some rumblings. I think after we finished, started talking on the show, I thought, I, I think somebody had said that Alan Robinson was spotted in like uh, Logan airport or that Belichick was trying to get him and, oh, he deleted everything. I mean, he's just sick and tired of fucking looking at the bears and his social media accounts. <laughs> like, and I would assume that's the same for Saquon. Like, get me out of he's, this. He's probably an off season <laughs> mode at this point. Like that's, <laughs> that's the whole thing. Like Giannis said too, after everyone was like, yeah. oh my God, he stopped following every buck teammate on Instagram. It's like, yeah, it's the off. I wonder why. Look at what Chris Middleton's doing. I'm just going to go chill in Cabo or wherever the hell I am right now. Robinson has the Falcons this week and then the Colts. He's got Carolina week six. Yeah, go get Allen Robinson. I still think at some point we'll see Nick Foles, and I think that will be better for Allen Robinson. But 18 targets in two games, again, volume. And Kenny Galladay, like, look, the Lions have clearly shown that their defense is terrible. Um, and I think maybe they're not quite to the extent that we're thinking about like the Panthers or the Vikings or anything like that, but they're probably going to be in situations where they're trailing very often. Uh, you get sweet, sweet dome games in December, uh, running on the fast track for Kenny Galladay when he finally comes back healthy. Like, yeah, you know, send out some low ball offers, see what happens. And Pat, the Galladay owner may be owned too. They may be super desperate. As a highly invested Kenny Galladay person, I can tell you, Owen, too. Very plausible if you own Kenny Galladay on your team, especially if you paired him up with Michael Thomas. It's not great. (laughs) I I have one league like that, too. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm Owen, too. Uh, Tyler Higby, three touchdowns. Good time to sell high in the year of the value tight end where you can just go pick up another tight end and it's fine. I think so. Yeah. I mean, most of his catches were, were tied. I expected him to finally find the end zone. This is a guy who's had a lot of targets over his last eight weeks and not finding the end zone. But I don't think like Robert Woods is a, is a guy that I know he had the touchdown yesterday, but I believe it was a rush. Like, I don't think he is a red zone target for, for golf. I do think that Higby is that guy, but at the same time, I just listed off seven tight ends earlier that I would, that I would feel comfortable starting. So if you can get anything at all, like a check in on a Kittle owner, um, I don't know people are just so crazy overreacting all the time, but I check in and all, all everybody who has like Gronk, like, Hey, who's the Gronk owner? Is he actually rolling out Gronk? Hey, do you want Higby? Just go ahead and try to flip him to him. Yeah. And then you can figure out the waiver wire, either fill in, whether it's, you know, the guys from the rankings, maybe someone even better is out there at this point. It was like the overreaction and I fell into the trap too. Like the, Oh, look how many routes Mark Andrews ran week one. Well, it went back to what it was last year in week two. turns out that not everything from week one is super sustainable, but Gary, it's, it's not necessarily against Higby. My biggest problem with this offense is that McVay has figured something out again, and it's really random and it's hard to figure out, which is never good for fantasy owners. Yeah, it's tough. And but still, to Chris's point, and this is something that I constantly have to remind myself about. So it's something that most people probably have to constantly remind themselves about, which is don't overvalue the intelligence of the other owners in your league. Like I'm sitting here saying, like, who's gonna who's gonna buy high on Tyler Higby? That would be ridiculous. He's not going to have a 60% touchdown rate every single game, but you don't know until you try. Like, like Chris said, he painted a really good picture about types of owners that might be freaking out right now. Like if you spent a sixth or seventh round pick on Rob Gronkowski, you're scrambling. And you know, if, if someone comes and says, Hey, here's this guy, great game, great offense. Like you want a piece of this. They might do something they regret in two or three weeks. Like I, obviously I don't think this Higby thing is, is sustainable by any means but you know he's probably a fringe top 12 tight end every single week yeah but uh, there's but there's, but there's is... a bunch of fringe top 12 tight ends exactly every single week. yeah that, exactly. that's, exactly. that's, so that's can... the whole point behind this 
No, I, I agree. And that's, that's what I'm, I'm painting the picture of why someone could be tricked into thinking this is a thing and oh, actually yeah. pay catch, actual resources. Catch one of your league mates, half a bottle of wine in on a Tuesday evening, you know, bad decisions <laughs> ensue at that time when you're doing your fancy roster. Paul, you have news? Not news, but uh, on, on the topic of what you guys are talking about right now, there's like a jabroni in your, in your uh, chat that is telling everybody to trade away Derrick Henry. Why? I mean, the guy's got 60 carries in the la- in week one and week two. Like, he didn't get the end zone. Well, he gets into the end zone twice last week, and then you're, everyone's trying to sell high on him. Like, yeah, no, keep Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry try, is fine. If somebody, and it seems like people agree. So if people are low on Derrick Henry, like, yeah, go as get we Derrick get Henry. deeper into was- the season, everyone gets worn down. Defensive injuries happen. It's, it's tough to tackle the big dogs. So don't, don't jump, out, jump, jump off ship yet. That's all it's I so see. funny that Paul brings that up, too, because when you started talking about buy lows, I was like, yeah, who did have a bad week, too? And I was like, ha, ah, Derrick Henry had a pretty bad week, but no one would be stupid enough to try and trade away Derrick Henry. <laughs> but again, continuously proven wrong about what people are stupid enough to do. So never feel bad about making these, these buy low offers to people. You never know what they're going to say yes to. Uh, rapid fire very quickly on this, meaning you buy in Fournette or sell in Fournette, because I think time to sell is now. <laughs> yeah, time to sell is now. He was a buy low for me in the FTN article that I do every Wednesday. Um, yeah, you probably missed the boat. It was only a matter of time, let's be honest. So yeah, I I would honestly like to keep him with all these running backs falling down and like committees all over the place. I do fully believe like he is the guy there. But yeah, again, like coming off a big week, you just need to just field offers and see what you can get. If you're fine at the running back position, check on the Barkley CMC owners of the world. Heck, Derrick Henry owners of the world, I guess. Just looking at the snap count, I, I know Ronald Jones started the game, scored the touchdown. Everyone was like, oh, I was so smart to start Ronald Jones. I don't even think he had 10 points in the game <laughs> when it came down to fantasy. And then Fournette scores a long touchdown at the end, but didn't really do it. I mean, ends up with the two touchdowns. But Shady McCoy is still like a part of this pass game which is really bizarre almost like the rams offense the bucks offense is just i don't know where the ball is going gary yeah and fournette is sort of this really interesting archetype of running back this week specifically like again if we're talking about a week where we might lose the two best running backs in fantasy football for extended periods of time and you know countless other running back injuries fournette has that cachet of coming off a big week obviously has name value he's leonard fournette and is playing for like the most hyped offense we've seen in the past five years from a preseason perspective so like chris said in a vacuum if i drafted this guy i'm probably wanting to hang on to him because i think he could be a nice depth piece i mean he was someone who conceivably could be your rb3 and that's a fantastic situation to be in if that's currently where you are but if someone's willing to overpay for him, which someone surely is right now, like go, mm-hmm. go ask the Saquon Barkley owner in your league if he wants Leonard Fournette and see what happens because he's desperate. And right now, Fournette is obviously to a lot of people, even though it might not actually be the case, he would clearly be a more desirable target than anyone on the waiver wire right now. Okay, so before we go, Hilton and AJ Green, Garyan, dust or give him a chance? I'm slipping every week on Hilton, but I look AJ green that that target share is so high. It's so ridiculously high. And this is a team that's going to be passing a lot. Like Chris said, I think I'm willing to give him a pass this week as kind of like it was his second game in two years Mm -hmm. and it was having to be played four days after he played his first game in two years. So 
I'm I'm willing to hang on to AJ Green just because the target share is so high and the volume is so so robust. But Hilton, I'm definitely losing faith in. How about you, Meany? I think that AJ Green is actually kind of a buy because no one wants him right now. Yeah, there's a lot of people who are just talking so negatively about AJ Green, but to Gary's point, I mean, 22 targets. I mean, you can't ignore that kind of volume. Bad football team. Burrow's only going to get better as a quarterback. They really need to do a better job of protecting him. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen at all this year, but AJ Green, 22 targets. I would buy, he's, he's going to be a buy low candidate for me in the FTN article and T.Y. Hilton. I don't, we only own him in League of Leagues, Pat. Like that's the only share I have. I, I, I wouldn't suggest anyone dropping him unless they play in super shallow leagues, but he wouldn't come near my starting lineup until I start seeing, like seeing, you know, more, more looks uh, his way. He's, I don't know what you can do. Like you can't flip him. You can't like, you're just dropping him or not starting. him. I, I think that you just put him on the bench. Although I, I would be tempted to play him this week against the Jets. <laughs> Yeah, I well, guess it's he, another it's, good spot, maybe in DFS, but we just had a good spot, right, yeah. against the Vikings. So I feel like this is the ultimate litmus test, though. If he gets through the Vikings and Jets and can't do anything, yeah. uh, which, I mean, maybe still, like, if you want to play it a little bit riskier, because, um, you know, he's still T.Y. Hilton. He could still be good, but maybe that's the selling point you use if you're trying to ship him out this week. Not that I generally <laughs> condone selling low, and that's exactly what you'd be doing right now with T.Y. Hilton, but you could at least maybe entice someone as like, look, he's got the jets next week. Like you need this guy. You need to start him. You just lost, you know, X wide receiver or Michael Thomas might not be back by that point. Like, because if he gets through this jets game and he doesn't do anything, I don't know what value he has left. Well, and listen, he was bad last year, 45 grabs, 500 yards, 50 per game and 11.1 yards per catch. I'm looking at all this. This is by far career lows for him across the board. And we just blamed it on Brissett. Like, is Rivers that much better in Brissett? The offense is still going to run the same. Here, here's the move. This is the galaxy brain move of the week. In your league, if you have T.Y. Hilton, but you need one of these running backs that have popped up on the waiver wire, drop T.Y. Hilton to get the other people to spend their money on T.Y. Hilton, and maybe you lower <laughs> the price of the running backs. I like it. That's a nice strategy. Smart. There we go. There's the next level. Last two, Joe Mixon. <laughs> Buy or sell, Meanie? Uh, bye, but it doesn't mean that I'm not concerned. Again, the offensive lines, Giovanni Bernard is clearly the guy that's going to be on the field when they're down in football games. Mixon caught a few more balls. We talked about it last week. He caught the first pass in week one and then saw nothing, caught a few more balls. Um, I, w- I would buy because there's, there's not a, a lot of just, you know, running backs that are going to get 70% of the snaps. And I do feel like he is going to be still in that situation, even though they're going to play from behind. I would buy him. Yeah, only 50% of the snaps on Thursday night, Gary, and 46 for Gio Bernard in a game they were primarily trailing. Yeah, and I think Chris said it perfectly at the end there. And that's the exact point I wanted to make, which is we have just spent the last hour talking about how Dion Lewis might be someone you have to spend 100% of your remaining fab on because that's how desperate we are for running backs. I, I, I don't know what situation you could possibly be in where you're like, yeah, I could stand to get rid of Joe Mixon. I'll just pick up someone to replace him. Like, I know it's not an ideal situation. I know you're probably pulling your hair out a little bit with just this incredible snap share that Giovanni Bernard is seeing, but I'm going to choose to look at the positives in that game, which is one, we saw what the Bengals could be as an offense. Like they have the potential to be at least an above average offense with Joe Burrow behind center, which, you know, that just rises the, the water raises for everyone and it, it, it really helps everyone's floor when there's an offense just scoring points. And two, he was far more involved in the passing game in week two than he was in week one. So 
yeah, it's not ideal, but find me a running back outside of like six or seven guys who isn't playing 55% of the snaps right now. Yeah, you can find the entire snap shares in, well, you know, I post them on Twitter, I post them on Facebook slash the PME, but they're also in my article up on DKNation.com, which you can find in the description of this video or podcast. DJ Chark and Antonio Gibson are the next two and the final two, Gary. And Chark is fourth on the Jags in targets right now. That is concerning. He's still the big play guy. He's still who Minshew is looking to deep if there's no one on him. If not, it's like, oh, bombs to Keelan Cole. Let's throw it to Chris Conley. Like, that's not great news for DJ Chark and the upside that I thought he would possess this year. I still think he's like a top 30 option, but I think the, the, the rumors of top 10 coming from Pat Mayo before the year might not be in play. Sure, but I, I still think if you're looking at some of the reasons why you drafted DJ Chark, it's all kind of come to fruition so far. Maybe the actual personal production hasn't been there, but one of the reasons you were drafting Chark and hoping that Chark was going to be as good as he possibly could be was that Gardner Minshew was going to play well and that this offense could be an above-average league offense and it could be an offense that's going to be forced to pass the football a lot. And so far, that's been exactly the case. So I'm not willing to give up on Chark after two games uh, because I think the script that we all picked out, the ideal script we picked out is still happening. And then when it comes to Antonio Gibson, like, you know, I, I, I almost, it's game script dependent. Like I'm, I'm not ready to say like, Oh, Peyton Barber got one snap. Peyton Barber's done. No, if, if they get into a game where they're going to be winning in the second half, I'm sure Peyton Barber is going to see the field a little bit, but Gibson has looked like the better running back the last two weeks and his snap share went up in week two. So I think that, you'd have to think that Ron Rivera is probably seeing that this guy is his best back. And I think going forward, he's probably gonna be treated as such. Yeah. I mean, he gives in 65% of the snaps, JD McKissick, 44% of the snaps, Peyton Barber, two percent of the snaps against the Cardinals in week two. I like Gibson. He was a hold last week. I, I like him here. I think that even though he didn't have like an outstanding game, it was quality enough where I think you can plug him in as a low end running back too, as a flex play. And maybe he can take that leap if they ever decide to use him in the passing game. Yeah, for sure. I played him in your contest there on DK. It was nice that, you know, he found the end zone, made it, you know, respectable anyways. I thought he would get a few more looks in, in the passing game playing, you know, this, Really nice looking Arizona squad. I'm feeling them. But um, yeah, I think both of those guys are by lows. And with you, Pat, I wouldn't count out yet. Chark not being a top 10 wideout, who knows, right? Kenny Galladay hasn't came back. Thomas going to miss some time. Adams, I still think that Chark is a by low candidate. I'm surprised, like you guys, that he's not getting the usage, not even second on his team in air yards or dot. Like it's just, it's not there yet, but he is a big play guy. And yeah, I'm totally in on Gibson. I'm seeing right now he's dropped in 12% of Yahoo leagues in the last 24 hours. I don't understand that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, Peyton Barber's never going to be a guy unless they get up in games. And let's be honest, they're not going to get up in too many games. They only have the Eagles and Giants uh, a couple times on the schedule. Yeah, I mean, for, for me personally, DJ Chark is a hold because I think I have him in every league that I'm playing in. So I just want him to be better. I agree <laughs> with you that he would be a buy low. He's still commanding 20% of the market share. Um, if he can retake the areas, if he can retake the higher A dot from Minshew, it's just Minshew weirdly just hasn't had to throw as much as I think that I thought he would. I think I... They, yeah, they haven't been as bad as you would have originally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They've, hung, they've hung around. Yeah. The, the game scripts have been relatively neutral, which is surprising. All right, yeah. Gary and Thorne. Follow him on Twitter at Gary and Thorne. You can check out his work up on DKNation.com. Chris Meany, you can follow at Chris Meany on Twitter. Check him out at the FTN network of sites, which is FTNBets.com, FTNDaily.com, FTNFantasy.com. I highly recommend you go to the site, the tools 
for DraftKings up there right now. The projections, the optimizers, the Jeff Radcliffe's cornerback versus wide receiver. All of these tools are so fucking valuable that you need to go out and check them out right now code mayo to get a discount on the tools behind the premium but you can go check out a lot of the stuff for free too and on ftnbets.com if you're betting the monday night game go to the prop shop ftnbets.com click on prop shop completely free to go find out where the best you can search all of the books and you can find where the best numbers are that's how you should be gambling by the way if you're betting on sports anyway for me smash the like on the way out i'm pat mayo you can hit the time codes to figure out when we talked about certain things i'll be re-upping very quick waivers with jake seeley on tuesday show before we get into the week three rankings article up on dk nation you can find everything in the description of this video including monday night showdown picks and the quick recap because pat mayo not quick whatsoever when it comes to recapping it's not like me in bed anyway pat mayo thanks for watching i'll see you next time experience experience